Welcome to Disruption Blueprint with Shannon Spotswood from RFG Advisory. In this podcast, we help advisors grow their net worth, build their businesses, and maximize their independence. We've built an award-winning platform with innovative technology, comprehensive service, and a team of individuals who are experts in their field to serve advisors. Join us for this journey where we explore everything that has to do with running an independent advisor practice as we bring together successful advisors, industry experts, and innovative minds who are on the bleeding edge to challenge the status quo, foster new ideas, and create a path for advisors to unleash their growth potential. Now, on to the show. Disruption Blueprint was previously known as War Room Huddle. Please continue to enjoy this content as you build your practice for the future. Welcome to War Room Huddle, Captiva style. We are day two in the world's best podcast studio. I'd agree. This is awesome. Jody Blewett, welcome to War Room Huddle. Thank you so much. This is my first ever podcast. I'm excited. A little nervous, but I'm with you, so I feel good. All right. First ever podcast, first ever RFG conference. Uh What do you think? I think it's spectacular. I was uh, talking to Chrissy earlier. I think it's so cool. When it gets night here, it gets night. Like, you can't see what's in front of you. Uh, We were joking about a certain member of our team who decided to drive his golf cart without headlights. Probably wasn't the smartest thing. Uh, But it's it's been beautiful. Exactly. Being able to wake up and look at the beach. It's just amazing. Beautiful environment. Mm -hmm. Good, good. Well, we're so so psyched you're here. So we got a lot that we're gonna uh, we're gonna dig into some stuff here. You've cool. landed in an absolutely fantastic position as an advisor with WFA mm-hmm. in Shreveport, Louisiana, award-winning firm, growing like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. Your disruptors, your innovators, you're opening new offices. You've got the Pink House, which is like the ultimate cool. I think forward-looking move in the industry about how clients want different experiences in different places. And and you're sitting in a seat that is really one that every young advisor dreams about. And you yeah. started your career in the Wirehouse Channel, mm-hmm. but you've now stepped into this incredibly high-caliber environment. Yeah. And that can be, I mean, not only intimidating, it can be really challenging. Yeah. And for the past year and a half, you've been like – Firmly committed and on a really, really, I think at times hard, but the word I would describe is like inspiring journey. Mm -hmm. You've been on this inspiring journey as you develop these new high performing habits. So walk me through the last year and a half and what it's looked like for you. I mean, honestly, it's been two years because it's just, it's just so much happened at one time. You know, I got married in February of 2020. We just celebrated our two-year anniversary last month. Best wife, Maria, <laughs> shout yeah. out. Yeah, uh, uh, and we bought our first house in March. And then you take all that with me really taking— And had a baby. And had a baby <laughs> last year. So you take all that in, and, you know, with me making a major career change, honestly, I always look at it from being an employee to an owner right. uh, of myself and making those moves— and it has been challenging, but not in the sense that it's been a struggle. It's just, um, you know, any time you're trying to reach a new level, you have to make the climb. You know, I'm at a different altitude now. The air's a little bit thinner up here, so you have to adjust to it. And you got, like you mentioned, you got Steven, who has years of experience in the industry. Then you got Danny and Chase, who are both two young gunners, you know, crushing it out here. And, you know, I come in here, you know, the up-and-comer, but confident, but just like, okay, hey, these are the guys I got to keep up with. Like, these are the guys I got to, you know, model myself around. And um, I think the most important thing is, you know, I made a point in the process. I said, okay, I don't want to be like Danny. 
I don't want to be like Chase. I want to be like Jody. You know, yep. you guys brought me here because of my individual talents, and I need to own that. Being a business owner now and commit to it and go about my process along with learning the wisdom and you know the advice that you guys give me along the way and making it my own practice. In a well, sense. that's the only way you're going to be successful. Exactly. Like it's got to be a hundred percent like the best version of Jody, not mm-hmm. mini Danny. Yeah, exactly. But that's intimidating because right. you got guys here that have done it and are successful. And you're like, well, who am I to come in here and say, well, you know, I, I respectfully disagree or I think, you know, so you, but you have to own it and you have to believe it. You know, everybody's a rebel until they're successful and they're an innovator after that. So. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> one thing that you, I, I've watched you go through this process. One, you take feedback phenomenally well like you're you're hungry Mm -hmm. for coaching you're really you've got a real open heart Mm -hmm. to receiving feedback and one thing that I've really loved watching you develop the the skill set around is just like how to prioritize your time Mm -hmm. like that was something as an owner that you you went through a a, I mean (laughs) you went through a journey on that talk Mm -hmm. to me about that it was big for me because, um, you know, with me having an open heart and me always having a giving personality or always, you know, trying to extend myself to others, I had to, and we talked about this, I made up this word distractionless. I, I had to make a distractionless lifestyle. And, you know, some people are like, well, you just limited distractions. But distractions might be things that you like to do or enjoy doing or even things that give back to your community but you have to, you know, maybe put on the back burner or just reallocate re- your priorities and the things you go about. And I just had to like, okay, hey, these are things important. These are things that will eventually get me to the things I want to do and just own it. And it's tough because some people are like, well, you know, Jody's acting different now or he's changed or this, that. And it's not that. I'm just pursuing my purpose and what, you know, I believe I'm here for. And I think if I do that, it not only benefits me, you know, one of my favorite word, words is prolific. Like, you know, it benefits me and others. You know, I'm laying fr- seeds that will produce fruit for others and those around me as well. I mean, what a powerful word, distractionless. Mm-hmm. And you're 100% right. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to run with the big dogs, if you want to be in exactly. that elite group mm-hmm. of advisors that are really shaping and changing the industry, and I believe you are, <laughs> you, you are going <laughs> to be one of those advisors as mm-hmm. we look out three years from now, five years from now, like defining what this industry is all about. Mm -hmm. But you do have to go through this period of like, I love that distractionless. Mm -hmm. Like I've got to reprioritize how I spend my time. Your time is your most valuable resource. And if it's scattered to the wind and you're making everybody else happy and you don't have that hierarchy of need, Mm -hmm. how can you possibly be successful with it? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It is... uh, prolific another one I mean you got you've got some good words I know uh, that you're you're a lover of quotes you yeah. love to read mm-hmm. uh yeah I, I mean I, I'm just I'm big on that uh you know when I, another quote I'll throw to you is uh uh you know the, the I, I don't want to say older people but the wiser people in my life always told me if you want to ke- uh, keep a secret from somebody put it in a book so I've always <laughs> approached life like that like hey there's a lot of knowledge in this in in books that are usually written by people who have actually accomplished it as opposed to this day and age let's go into Google or Facebook you know, yeah. I don't want to read a random article who I don't even know where the source comes from. I'd rather read it from a guy or, you know, a woman who I know has faced the challenge, conquered it. And, you know, what's interesting about successful people that some people might not recognize is that successful people usually want to give people the advice. Right. They want to tell them how to be successful. But, you know, it just depends on who's actually going to receive it and listen to it and then actually go out and do it. So it's funny. I was accused the other day of um 
of basically, not accused is too strong of a word, mm-hmm. of having this, um, you know, this part to my personality where if I don't, you know, if someone isn't open, mm-hmm. if they're not like, okay, I want to receive the, you know, they said it in a not so kind way. They're like, if they don't, if they don't pick up what you're putting down, mm-hmm. you're like, you're kind of dead to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, I'm like, oh my gosh, I could take that through this lens of like, woo, that'll sting. And then I thought more about it. And it was like, I love, like, I love to share knowledge. I want everyone around me to be successful. Like, I want everyone around me, one plus one equals 11, everyone to be a force multiplier. Mm -hmm. And not everyone is comfortable in that light. That's true. That's 100% true. And you know, sometimes as we, I, I think you probably face this just being a naturally ambitious person, you know, somebody that wants to conquer and be at the top. You you also have to, you know, take into mind that, hey, people are going to function in the roles they're comfortable with functioning. And, and that's okay as long as you perform that role to your best ability, you know, that's all right. And, you know, it might not come from them, but you don't know what your advice or your influence might have on them to give to other people right. to motivate them. You know, when I tell my daughter about you all the time, Shannon, I was like, man, look, the CEO of our company, the president. lady, that, <laughs> president. president, excuse me, <laughs> multiple times. But, you know, that's the president of our company. She's a boss. You know, I showed her the Stronger Money video. I was like, look at her stance. Look at her heels. Like, that's what I want you to be as a woman. I want you to be powerful. I want you to be in control. And, you know, it's big me I always give her advice I, I always tell her I say Cameron the lady always wins and that's like the key thing I try to tell her in this day and age the lady always wins how you carry yourself conduct yourself and the confidence that you walk and stroke with will take you so far in life I tell her all the time you know I think 70% of communication is nonverbal right. so you just your walk and the way you dress and carry yourself will will speak values for you Mm -hmm. it will change your it will change Mm -hmm. your life there's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders you know you're (laughs) you're not only Rhea's husband Mm -hmm. you have your new baby boy you have your daughter Cameron Mm -hmm. um you're you know your oldest daughter Cameron's like a soccer playing phenom so you know sports are really important you want to be really engaged and Mm -hmm. and involved in that and I'm just going to lay it on the table. I mean, you're a role model. Only 3% of financial <laughs> advisors are African-American. Yeah. And you're a role model. You're a trailblazer. You talked about, you know, the way I carry myself. I would turn it right back on you and mm-hmm. say, you know, with that as a backdrop, knowing that not only are you at the right place at the right time with the right firm and the right opportunity, mm-hmm. like where do you see yourself in five years and how do you think about that responsibility to help? Cause I know you're so invested in education and, mm-hmm. and the youth of, you know, the youth who will be the leaders of tomorrow of moving that needle on that number. Like, how, like, how do you, how, how do you, um, how do you how do you how do you shoulder that responsibility? Thanks a lot. You know, uh, first of all, keeping up with my wife Rhea, who's a boss and successful in her own right. <laughs> you know, making sure I'm keeping up with her and I'm not uh, slacking or dragging behind. Uh, you know, that's fun. You know, it's always going tit for tat. Like I'm doing this, or I've been promoted to this, or I'm taking care of this. And it's fun to have that uh, that type of person in your life. And accountability, exactly. Because iron sharpens iron in that yeah. sense. Um, you know, I always make the joke. My daughter's 14 now. Of course, I love her, but I don't know if I like this age. <laughs> you know, so you know, it's uh, you know, dealing with her and motivating her. She's 
spectacular soccer player, but she's hit the teens now, you know, boys are starting to become, you know, somewhat of a priority. And it's just like, she's like, you know, dad, I don't know if I want to do soccer practice. I don't know if I want to do this and just, you know, keeping her pushing, but not being overbearing saying, Hey, commit to this. It's not about soccer. I told her, I don't even care if you play soccer at the high school, but it's about finishing something, you know, that you started that we've invested the time and money in and seeing it through. Like that's, what's important. And the lessons you learn from that are going to be invaluable to you. And as far as moving the needle, you know, I, I think as far as m- my role five years from now, you mentioned Trailblazer. I feel like now I'm starting the fire, you know, like, okay, and but five years from now, I want that thing burning. <laughs> I want everything in sight to be torched because I carry that. And, it, you know, it, it's funny to me, it's 2022 and, and we're, you know, with those numbers, but I have to be the trailblazer. I think I told you, I think with the first conversation you had, you know, if not me, then who, you know, why not me? So, you know, I try to approach that and I really just, I want to be a boss. Like I want when I'm already in the boss in that sense, but I want when people think financial advisor in my region or maybe in the, even in the nation, like, Hey, I'm thinking of this guy, you know, this guy's knowledge, the way he treats his clients and goes about it. And then with in turn with that success, I get to open those doors. Cause like you said, I blaze the trail. So, you know, Pretty much all my career, I've only been the person, the only person that looks like me in a room. Yeah. And I've always had to deal with that. And, you know, I didn't, I never backed down. I never was intimidated by it. I owned it. You know, I brought, I brought me to the table and I would just love to be in a position, whether it's internships or bringing on new hires, whether they're women or just people of color, like being the one that, hey, this is the path for you and letting you do that. And then also you look across the room and like, hey, there's somebody that looks like me or somebody that identifies with me. And that can only enhance them. And, you know, I always look, look, if, if I've made all the mistakes or did all the things that, you know, the hard things, then you should be more successful than me in the long run. Yeah. It's all said and done. Let, let me stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's what, in a sense, I want, I want to be that giant. I want to be that person for people. I, you know, I don't want, I don't have to be the top dog. I, I feel better like, hey, enabling other people to be the top dog in that sense. You know, uh, the funniest thing is, you know, Nick Saban, who I'm an LSU Tigers Roll fan. Time, uh, go baby. Tigers. <laughs> but I'll say that I think, of course, his wins and his championships. But I think if you've ever sat and asked him, I think he might be proud of his coaching tree the most. You know, the coaches underneath that he's developed that have went on to go on to success in their own right. And, you know, that's 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 very honorable as a leader. Iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. Are you an advisor looking to make the move to independence? RFG Advisory is an innovator in the wealth management industry with a winning culture and a fully integrated tech platform designed to help advisors take their practice to the next level. Let us get to know you at rfgadvisory.com. You and I have talked about, you know, obviously I've been in uh, finance for 25 plus years. Um, Mm -hmm. You're earlier in earlier in your career. You're like, Practically 25, no. Um, (laughs) But this, you know, there is an element of, like, tokenism and diversity box checking. And Mm -hmm. I know you you certainly felt that in the position that you were in. Like, there wasn't the investment made in you in Mm -hmm. becoming the best financial advisor that you could be, you know, leveling up on that. Mm -hmm. Like, how, you know, how can our industry recruit more talent and then be really thoughtful about wanting like I don't want you just to be in the room yeah 
I want you to change the room. I want yes. you to have like a seat at that table. I want you to be impacting decisions. Like mm-hmm. I love, and it's so true. You know, the the high, the only common denominator mm-hmm. of high performing teams is not where you went to school. It's not how much experience you have. It's not your age. It's not your sex. It is diversity. Yeah. You screen for talent, or you screen for diversity, you hire for talent, you wind up with a diverse team. So mm-hmm. how do we break out of this, like, box-checking tokenism that we're kind of, I don't know, I feel like we're kind of trapped in a little yeah, bit. we're doing busy work, but not actually yes. productive work in that sense. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, my, you know, my main motivation, and I'll be honest, people were looking at me crazy. I was at big, prominent national firm, you know, I was, uh, you know, the advisor's dream, uh, dream mm-hmm. job. And I walked away with it, with a guaranteed salary, right. <laughs> six figures at that. And, yeah. you know, and that, like I said, I just got married, just bought my first house, you know, and people were looking at me like, why in You've the world would you do mind. that? And I, I, I reached out to people. I wanted their opinions. You know, I, like, like you said, I, I'm not afraid to take, you know, advice. And, you know, I, I seek it, actually. And the majority was, no, don't do it. And just something in me compelled me to do, like, hey, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to be able to stay in this industry and be happy, for the next 30, 40 years, you know, whatever, I have to do it this way. And this is the way I, I need to go about it. Because basically for me, the situation I was in, and I literally went, and there were 12, 13 advisors in, that, in the office I was in. I literally went to each one, you know, throughout my tenure there and asked, how do I do this? How do I be successful? And not one could relate to me. Not one. Because right. either it was a situation of, hey, well, my uncle – was part of this or this, or I inherited this book from this guy, or this guy's my uncle, uh, uh, he's my nephew or brother-in-law. And although there's nothing wrong with nepotism, right. I didn't have that, right. <laughs> you know, so I, it wasn't available to me. So, you know, I was in a situation, young advisor, where, you know, the people I would, you know, count on for wisdom and advice, they couldn't tell me because they didn't have to do it that way. So I, I knew early on I would have to figure it out myself. But then I also knew I couldn't do it the way I would want to do it. Honestly, the way that would respond to people that look like me or be able to relate to me in that platform because it was so constra- uh, like it was so constrained. Like I yeah. couldn't express. You couldn't see what makes me me, right. and I couldn't attract people that you know go about life or just you know they have the culture that I have like me. So um, I was able to just you know like hey, I feel like this is the move. It helps that, you know, I've known Danny and Chase for years, you know, the trust and the bond that I've had with them. You know, honestly, it wasn't the most formal, you know, process. They just invited me to lunch one day. I thought we were just going to eat some good tacos. <laughs> and next thing I know, they're offering me a position at their firm. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, huh. And, I, you know, I took it, and I, I'm, um, I'm running with it. I'm, I keep trying to progress and get better each and every day. But um, to kind of get back to your question, I think it's important that we own who we are as individuals And then not only that we own it, but when we see other people who might not be the same individual we are, we empower them. Right. And I don't necessarily know what that looks like in a sense, but having somebody that can relate to you helps a lot. Or having somebody that can can walk you through the process, I think, helps a lot. And just making a commitment for that. Yep. Like you said, don't ditch, don't just check the box. Yep. Put people in place to support him or her so they can succeed. And like I said, that's only going to make your company better. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And that's something, you know, Danny and Chase and Steve have 
they, they have an abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, right out of the gate, it was like, all right, Jody, what professional organizations do you want to join? Like, mm-hmm. how are you going to, you know, what breakfasts do you want to go to? How are you going to network within the community? Mm-hmm. It was like all in, like, all right, let's wrap our arms around Jody and help him be in the room where the conversation is having. Exactly is being had, you know, help him be the one who is, it's not like, you're, you're not going to do this business the way Danny's going to do it. You're not going to do this business the way Bobby White's going to do this. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to allow for that authentic expression. Exactly. Cause that's what, that's our talent, our individualism. Like that's, we were each made different for a reason. And it's just, I feel like I strongly believe it's our job to find our superpower, yeah. you know, your superpower is being Shannon. My superpower is being Jody, and we have to tap into that and find it and express it to the world. So you and I had a conversation when I saw you last month, mm-hmm. and I said we're 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 putting this on the podcast, and we're mm-hmm. gonna just kind of go with it. And and basically, the conversation was you were expressing to me the frustration mm-hmm. that you have with what you called the excuse epidemic. Mm-hmm as it relates to money and the perception of money, especially within the black community. Talk to me about that and how you want to change it. I do. I just, you know, I look at it and I feel like my generation, maybe people 20s to 40s, um, early 50s, I think we might be more intrigued and more knowledgeable related to the stock market. But in this industry, the heavy hitters, your bigger clients are usually the 50s, 60s and up from that point. And so I tried to analyze it from my parents' standpoint, who um, mama, um, mom was born in 1950, dad born in 1949. And I really looked at it and I, you know, I saw I was like, you know, Ruby Bridges, you know, she was famous yeah. for being one of the first kids in the South to uh, integrate education. My mom's five years older than her. So, like, you know, when she was a teenager, she lived through the Jim Crow era and the Jim Crow laws. And, you know, she went off to a university, first in her family, got her degree. But even the campus life, she didn't even have access to it. She couldn't do all the things. So she literally had to join a sorority just to have some kind of college experience. And so, you know, I looked at it and, you know, I had a conversation with her about it. And she was like, you know, I was worried about climbing over so many mountains at that time, you know, being the only, one of the few people that looked like me on a college campus, uh, going to segregated schools. My textbooks are the oldest textbooks. You know, I, you know, I don't know. The young kids might not know this now, but you used to have your textbook and you could see who owned it before yeah. you. Like her, her, her book was all like there were like at least 20 names and then it was her book. But seeing her overcoming that and going into that, you know, and then the same thing for my dad. He was an uh, officer in the Army. He retired as a first sergeant. He got a degree in computer engineering um, through the military. And, you know, I lived a great life. I lived the Army life. When they retired, we lived in a nice uh, middle-class suburban community. Great neighborhood. Fantastic people in it. But I think for them, maybe in the sense, and it's not an excuse, but they had so much other stuff to conquer that – in the near term, like, you know, short term, like I'm trying to do things that nobody that before me has done. So like, I'm so worried about now the long term. I I hope I just get to the long term. And then from that perspective, you know, I looked at it like, you know, okay, I get it now. I understand. But it's my job. I feel and anybody, you know, in my position to let's bring that information back to them to where you understand you're not going to get a return on investment necessarily from a savings account or a CD yeah. now in, in this day and age. You know, inflation, explaining inflation and how it goes about, explaining how generational wealth works and how your kids can be just as talented and smart as somebody else's kids, but because they had the generational wealth factor and were maybe three or four steps ahead, they might end up be, being more successful. So, you know, just it's important to break that down 
But then you also have to be respectful about it. You can't be like, you old people don't. You know, it's not that at all. You have to be respectful and understand, you know, what they've done to put me in a position where I am in this position now. You know, yeah. you know, if it wasn't for their sacrifices, I wouldn't be here. So work. So in regards to that generation, it's I think it's important to build that trust and also do right by that generation to continue that trust. And then as far as the younger generation, I think we're into it now. I think yeah. COVID people got bored. The only problem is now we're not doing diversification. <laughs> so, you know, everybody's in the crypto or the new hottest fad or, I, you know, on my Facebook page, people are talk, talking about options. I was like, that was the hardest part for the series for some people and you guys just act like this is just you know like a like a simple math problem and you know I think it's you know and I hate to say this investing isn't just you know the sexiest thing in the world <laughs> it's yeah. not it's all yeah. about diversification I love Rick's statement when he always says you know it's always about always saying you're sorry you know because yeah. there's always going to be something that might not be foreign but it's going to be something that offsets it and getting people to understand that instead of buying into the hype of the get rich quick scheme you know yeah. uh, I, I admire Warren Buffett one of my favorite investors you know he's you know he's he's big on saying there's no such thing as quick money it's a, this is a slow gradual process yeah. and you have to respect that process <laughs> my husband and I talk about with our kids like we make money the hard way we earn it <laughs> yeah because <laughs> it's true you're yeah. right and I, I i listened to this really interesting podcast and it was talking about the generational imprint mm -hmm. of of money and growing up with money and how that really does pass through generations of yeah. how you think about it mm -hmm. education is something that you invest not only you know heavily in yourself you and Rhea are like fiercely committed mm -hmm. to you know constantly leveling up through education but you also have you know taken it upon yourself to teach financial literacy yeah tell us about what you're doing with that it's so cool i think it's the coolest thing ever you know i i like getting in there and teaching these share kids. what it is <laughs> like okay what is it you're doing what's so, the project so my goal basically the jody is, x factor <laughs> my goal basically is to get kids while they're young uh for whatever reason i can't explain we still don't teach financial literacy in the school system and so i'm trying to connect with the kids on a level and i, I remember a short story real quick i walked in my daughter's uh junior high school and I was like man I'm in a three-piece suit with tie and everything they might I'm, I don't want to embarrass her like your dad's in a suit and then I walk in there and I'm getting compliments from kids left right like man you look good man that's sharp that's a nice suit yeah and so you do rock those suits <laughs> you do look sharp it. I mean that's I your like go-to <laughs> so you know from that standpoint you know I feel like if you see somebody that might even look like you or feel like you can relate to that opens the door to say hey if he can do it I can do right. it you know and so I feel like it's good that they get that visual representation that they see me in here and then you know um one of my you know favorite quotes by Einstein I'm gonna murder it right now because I'm nervous because I'm under pressure in the podcast awesome. but it's, it's you know it's basically just to paraphrase he's basically saying hey you know if you can understand if you really truly understand a complex uh item or you know equation. A, equation then you should be able to explain it to somebody else in a simple manner to where they would get it yes and so that's what i go into not only with clients but with the financial literacy is just like hey i want you guys to get this i'm not trying to sit here and show you how smart i am i'm trying to show you how so easy you're teaching financial literacy at exactly. two high schools right two high schools area high schools we're also making donations to their athletic programs and so um, working through Rotary right and now. And this is one of those where camp. you were so mad <laughs> yeah. because you tried to go through all the formal chapters and yeah. like formal, not chapters, channels for how to make this happen. And it was just like bogged down in bureaucracy. Yeah. And you're like, forget it. Yeah. I'm just getting in the classroom. That's part about being the boss 
and the trailblazers that we talked about earlier. Like, hey, I don't have to go through you anymore. I'm Jody Blue. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just show up in that sense. Like, and we get it done because, you know, time is precious, like you said earlier. So, hey, the quicker we can get this knowledge spread out to the youth and the quicker it might relate to them, they might not get it right now. But they're like, man, I remember this guy told me something about a 401k when I was in high school and now I got my first job after college. I should know about What's this. been the feedback from the kids? They love it. They, they get it and they think. The interesting thing is they think they don't realize the stock market is just businesses that they use every day from Apple phones to Amazon's the clothes they're wearing. That they actually can (laughs) own a piece of the businesses that they consume. And I tell them you're already stockbrokers in a sense because you have preferences on what businesses you like to visit or shop at or spend your money. And so from that standpoint, you're like, hey, if I had to bet whether it was business A or business B, I would pick business A because I like that and the way they go about their, you know, what yep. they do. And so I feel like that would be the stock that would take up. And then when you put it to them, them that turns, they're like, oh, man, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's cool when seeing the light go off. It's priceless. I mean, I mm-hmm. think at this point, like, how are we going to shift that percentage, that 3% number? I feel the mm-hmm. same way about women. How are we going to shift the 14% of financial advisors are women, 3% mm-hmm. are African-American? It's got to be the next gen. It's yeah. got to be the youth. They've got to fall in love with the industry. They've got to see people like you who are, you know, building these these incredibly vibrant careers mm-hmm. and want to take that path. Exactly. Like my one of my big goals is creating an intern pro, uh, yeah. intern program, uh, an internship program down the line. You know, like hey, let me expose you to this. Let me see what a day. Let me show you what a day in the life. Let me show you the responsibility. Let me show you where it might not appear what it looks like on TV. It's really about relating to people and understanding their goals their why and what they want to accomplish if you were going to um you know talk to a you know some you know young kid and say okay what is the probability of you becoming a professional athlete Mm -hmm. (laughs) versus the probability of you becoming a financial advisor you know what? It, uh, basically, basically, we know the professional af- athlete role, the percentages are low on that end. But if I'm honest, as a respect to our career, being a financial advisor isn't a cakewalk either in right. that sense. But, you know, I always tell them those professional athletes need financial advisors. You know, we've heard the stories of people that made millions yeah. and lost it, you know, you know, in a matter of really months, not even years. And, in, you know, in that regard, like, hey, you need to have some kind of financial literacy education in some part. And even if you're too busy catching touchdowns or you know throwing down alleys you're smart to know that hey I got people that look after me and I know who to delegate this this to to handle this situation for me so at some point in your life you're going to have to be your own financial advisor or delegator (laughs) to somebody else Um, last question for you share a little bit about your upbringing and Mm -hmm. why it was so important why why you chose becoming an advisor as your path so you're gonna get me emotional on my first podcast uh growing up military kid uh really born and raised in germany for the most part of my life we got uh stationed to louisiana uh, i think it was like uh about 10 going on 11 and um loved the culture loved south louisiana fell in love with new orleans at a young age and i was living the dream graduated from college did everything i was supposed to do with regards to gpa got into xavier university one of the top HBCUs and schools in the nation in general. And I had my mindset on being a pediatrician. I was going to be pre-med, first semester, Christmas break, all the families at the house. We get a call that my dad was killed by a drunk driver. And (sighs) let me take a breath. (laughs) And it was tough because I'm I'm 17. I'm going to suck it up for you, Dad. But I'm 17 and... I got my whole life ahead of me, and I had it planned out. You know, I was like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And at that age, I have two older sisters, but in that sense, I'm the man of the family now. And 
I, you know, I made the decision, hey, I'm going to leave school. I'm not going to pursue being a doctor anymore. I feel like that's going to create a lot of debt for me and my mom since it's just us now. And, you know, there's no knock on my mom. She's very successful. Right. You know, she, she just retired. But it's yeah. a lot. You know, it's a lot. And, yeah. you know, I didn't know much about finance then, but I was financially savvy enough to know I didn't want to be in debt. <laughs> so, you know, and um, honestly, I was in a finance class one day as part of my general curriculum because I had switched to just, you know, general studies. So I didn't know now what I wanted to do. And. I was just amazed. I always tell people, uh, tell people it was like the movie Beautiful Mind. They were doing the financial math on the board, and it was just popping off the board to yeah. me like I understood it. And, you know, it's good to have people that believe in you. Yeah. It really is. I had a professor, uh, I'll say his name because I've always wanted to yeah. uh, catch him. His name is Dr. Mark Schaub. And he told me, Jody, I really think you would be good as a financial advisor. And, you know, my question was, well, do they make money? <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, that's what I was concerned about. You know, do they make money? Yeah. And he told me, yeah, you can do really good in, in that, uh, you know, in that career as far in regards to earnings. But, you know, the thing about you, Jody, is you get it. But what's more important is that you're able to explain to so explain to others so they get it. Yeah. So he's like, take it, man, and run with it. And he's like, and I told him, well, you think I need to go get my master's and do this? And he said, the best advice I've ever got as a college student was like, hey, don't go get your master's unless you can't find a job with your bachelor's. <laughs> and I found it with my bachelor's. So like you said, I took it and run, ran with it. And just that little conversation after class, like some, yeah. somebody believing you or actually telling you you're talented and you don't yeah. even realize it or you're not, you don't know it, um, really just basically catapulted my career for me. And I'm, I've always been thankful for him and I always wanted to shout him out, uh, shout out, uh, shout him out about that. I'm so thank thanks. I'm thankful for that professor <laughs> as well, because yeah. you would have made a heck of a pediatrician, <laughs> but I'm so glad you chose this and thank as you. your, as your professional journey. I it's, appreciate that. it's a real privilege to work with you. It's a, it's a mm -hmm. gift to partner with you yeah. and the team at WFA. You guys are, I mean, this is inning one. Like you're just, it's a 30 year old firm. You had mm -hmm. your fastest year of growth in <laughs> 2021 yeah. like you guys are just getting started yeah and we've had a whole bunch of changes but we keep going we keep innovating and i'm proud to just show us we can you know stand uh stand the test of time and we can overcome even pandemics <laughs> so um i'm honored to be a part of rfg of course honored to be a part of wfa and i appreciate you letting me create my own legacy let me create you know, something that honors my dad and also helps families, you know, the way I wish my family would have been in a position where, hey, I'm going to get you guys through this. I'm going to tell you guys this is how you go about this. This is how you do that. So I can maybe keep some kid that wanted to be a pediatrician right. on the right track if something unfortunate happens to, you know, one of his parents in that sense, having that knowledge. <laughs> You're a beautiful soul. Thank, <laughs> Thank you for you. being here. Appreciate All it. All right. <laughs> Thank you so All much. Right. Oh. I didn't mean to choke up. I'm sorry. Oh, I love it. You are awesome. You're so good at this. You're such a natural. Thank you for listening to the Disruption Blueprint podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.rfgadvisory.com or schedule a call on our advisor resources page. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific training strategy. Information here may be provided in part by third-party sources. These sources are generally deemed to be reliable. However, neither our guests nor RFG advisory guarantee the accuracy of third-party sources. The views expressed here are those of our guest. They do not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, its employees, or its clients. 
This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, LLC, RFG Advisory or RFG, a registered investment advisor. Private client services and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place. RFG Advisory is an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of RFG by the Commission, nor does it indicate that RFG or any associated investment advisory representative has attained a particular level of skill or ability.